Hey guys, and welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two Catholic moms with 10 kids between us, living right across the street from one another, living an authentic life, or attempting to, and wanting to invite you into it. So, if you have been Catholic your whole life, or you're not Catholic at all, maybe you're one of our Protestant brothers and sisters, or maybe you've never heard of Jesus before, this is a place for you, and you belong here. God has put this podcast on our hearts, with your heart specifically in mind. We're going to bring you stories of how He has moved, so that you can have hope that He can move in your life too. Hey friends, welcome back to part two of our fantastic conversation with Mary Lineberg. If you missed last week, pause the podcast right now and go listen to the one from last week so it makes a lot more sense for you. Today, we begin the podcast with me asking Mary about the time they took their daughter Courtney to Lourdes. This was a healing pilgrimage where they thought they were going to come home with a child who could walk and who could talk. And they were so excited for the miracle that God would do that day in the Grotto of Lourdes. Now, the story is God gave them a miracle, but it wasn't what they thought it would be. And sometimes what we pray for, God gives us something different. And it's so much more beautiful than we could have imagined it would be. I love this story because it's hysterical. Her description of going on a pilgrimage is unlike any I've ever heard. (laughs) To me, pilgrimages are usually beautiful and holy and solemn and sweet, and hers is hysterically funny. It's beautiful and holy as well, but so much laughter. Now, I told you guys last week that when we recorded this, she was in Virginia and we were in Texas, and we used an internet-based program, and it made the lag time for Kendra and I just a little bit. We're about five seconds behind Mary. Um, It's only in the beginning. Thankfully, God fixed it in the middle, and by the end, it sounds fantastic. So if we sound like we're laughing a couple seconds late, we aren't. We think Mary is so funny. So we're laughing right along with her. I hope you enjoy this podcast. By the end of it, Kendra and I were ready to jump up and down, scream and yell, and just let Mary preach all day long because, man, does she bring the gospel at the end of this episode. She just talks about what it really means to go to the cross with Jesus and allow him to convert your heart and to send you forth to preach to others. And whew, it's a message that we all need. I listened to it again today and it stirred my heart in a new and different way. So I hope it does for you too. If you're new to the His Beloved of Texas podcast and maybe you're a fan of Mary's and that's why you're here, we are so glad to have you. I suggest that you go back and listen to our first two episodes. In the first one, I get to tell my story, and in the second one, Kendra tells her beautiful love story, and that way you can get to know Kendra and I a little bit better. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy the second part of Mary's story, and I hope you go get her book and stick around for her second and third book as well, because this woman still has so much preaching left to do here on this earth. One more little disclaimer about this episode, just like last week, Mary talks about some hard things that we don't want little ears to hear right now. She gives some fantastic advice for couples who are experiencing addiction to pornography in their relationships or marriages, and also to single people and those who are about to enter into relationships and how to um, avoid having this be a part of your marriage. So fantastic, fantastic advice, but not for little ears. All right, guys, hope you enjoy. Bye-bye. In May of 2000, uh, Courtney was seven years old and we had the opportunity to take her on a healing pilgrimage to Lourdes. Now in 1999, my husband, Jerry had come into the Catholic church, um, after that was 11 years into our marriage. And we had already, we had had our moment, you know, that I described earlier and, and we were working on healing. Mm -hmm. We were working on our marriage. We were in therapy. We were doing, we were walking that path. We were still struggling on occasion with our individual addictions and, and, um, you know, praise God for the sacrament of reconciliation and confession, but, um, we were walking that path. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so we had this opportunity to take her on a healing pilgrimage Mm -hmm. to Lords and our son, Jonathan was 10. 
And he, I'll never forget, he had the faith of, of a giant for both of us. And he was so excited we were going to Lourdes. He said, Mom, it's going to be so great. She's going to go in the water and our lady, you know, God is going to heal her. And then she's going to come home and we're going to have, we're going to play and it's going to be great. She's going to be able to walk. He was, you know, Aww. we had taught him as we believe as Catholics that, um, you know, when you believe in a miracle, you believe like. God's going to do this. And if you don't believe in that, yeah. then you need to like get out because it's either going to happen or it's not. But, um, he had the faith of a child. And so he was, he was all in, he was totally convinced everything was going to happen. And, and we were, we were there for it. We were all in. And so we went to Lourdes and the first night we were there, we ended up in the grotto. It was midnight in the grotto and we were saying the rosary. And at the same time in Fairfax, Virginia, it was 6 PM. And over 300 people at our parish had just had mass together at the historic church of St. Our Lady of Sorrows um, that was built in 1858, which was right around the time of Lourdes. And we had a grotto that was built and there's a statue of Our Lady and a statue of um, St. Bernadette. And so they were praying in the grotto. They were praying the rosary at the same time we were in in Lourdes, all for Courtney's healing because the next morning she was going to go into the water. And so we were very naive, you know, we, we got up, we got dressed. We're like, we're going to the water today. Mm-hmm. And, and for those that don't know the story of Lords, um, our lady appeared to Bernadette Subaru and told her to dig in this one spot in the Pyrenees mountains. And so she did and up sprung a, a, a spring of water and what happened there uh, was healings. People would come and they would dip in the water, their foot or their hand or whatever, and they would be miraculously healed. And this is where the Immaculate Conception, Our Lady as the Immaculate Conception was first revealed. So mm-hmm. um, it's a pretty special place. It's like Catholic Disneyland, as I call it. And <laughs> we take Courtney and it's kind of like down a hill and around a corner. And all of a sudden you're in this, you're, you're there in the grotto. And it's so beautiful. Um, and you just think, Our Lady, Our Lady was here. St. Bernadette, like, touched this ground. Mm. You know, it was just so otherworldly experience. Mm. But one of the things is when you go to the grotto, it's quiet. And all you hear is now there is a stream that runs, right? Um, because um, for, mm. gosh, many years, it was just this little bubbling up. And now there's a stream. And so you um, you hear that in the background. And then you hear this slight murmur of prayer. Everybody is, feel, uh, you know, praying mm. the rosary. They're, um, they're just praying. They're walking. They're, they're standing in line to go into the baths. And so there's this, like, hum. And so we bring Courtney mm. around. And I go with her into the first bath, which is for the sick ones and their mothers. So these are for children that, um, you know, need help, like that are handicapped or, and the mothers go with them. So I go in and um, I was mm. uninformed as to how this happens. So I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. my favorite part of the think. story. <laughs> You're going in the water, Mary. You're not going to go in fully clothed. Like I just, I never... I, I, I just, the Lord may be dense for a reason. I probably would have never gone, but I'm standing there and they lay Courtney out on this beautiful stretcher and I'm standing there and they're taking off her clothes. And I'm like, um, excuse me. Like, what are you doing now? They have a sheet, right? She's, her dignity was, was respected at all times. And, um, and they have a sheet over her and, you know, but they're removing all of her clothes. And it dawns on me that um, I have to do the same. And I'm like, I'm not really feeling that at the moment. And, and I'm, I'm watching. And so the woman, the, the, the Knight of Malta and the Dames of Malta is who we went with. And the Dame of Malta that was with me, her name was Anne. And she was from Ireland. And she was, she was watching. And she looked at me. And she goes, Mary, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Mary. Get dressed. Get, you know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I'm standing there in my <laughs> undergarments with a sheet around me. That's as far as I went because that's all I was going to do. I would just get wet. No problem. And I'm watching Courtney. And as they're undressing her, they're also praying over her. 
and they ask me what the problem is. And you have four women praying in different tongues, right? In different, like there's French, there was a Slavic language, German. I can't remember what the other one was, but they're all playing to Our Lady. So you hear the Ave Maria, you hear the Hail Mary. And um, they have this little statue of Our Lady. It's about six inches long. And Courtney was shivering. So she had her little fists up by her face. And um, as they they held this statue and they were touching it to different parts of her body where we had problems. So her tummy, because she had digestive issues, her legs, because she didn't walk. And then they were bringing it up to her head and her eyes because she was blind and had seizures and they were touching her. And so as they came up over her hands, she swiped Mary out of their hands. Like she just swiped Mary. And I, all I kept thinking was, (laughs) Okay, the only thing Courtney ever holds in her hands is her sippy cup. So Mary will now be going into her mouth and she will chomp on her. And this is really not what you want when you're starting out a pilgrimage (laughs) in Lourdes. Like, you would like to respect our lady and not bite her head off. We already have the heading of the cheese. We did not need to do that now. So I'm I'm literally like, you know how you do that skirt walk where you're just kind of like, you've got the towel around you and you're just the, the quick steps, like hop, hop, hop over. That's what I'm doing to like take the statue out of her hand because I know what's coming. And as I'm hopping my way over, she takes that hand and places it in the middle of her chest. And then she takes her other hand, which remained fisted and placed it on top of it. And she didn't move. And her face, I'll never forget her face, just bright and beautiful. And she had buck teeth. And she had the biggest grin on her face and she was humming. And I was like, (laughs) what is happening? And the woman that I was with grabbed and grabbed my arm. And she's like, Maddie, Maddie, did you see, did you see what she's doing? And I'm like, yes, I see. I am having now an out of body experience and a complete mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what's happening. And so she remained in that position. They brought her behind. There was a little curtain. They dunked her in the water. She gave a good Irish yell because it's cold. And they came back around and she was still smiling and she still had the statue in her hand. And I thought, you know where you are, don't you? You know exactly what's happening. And then it was my turn and they were getting her dressed and I walked around and (laughs) this lovely woman from Bulgaria, I found out later was asking me to get undressed. And I kept telling her I was undressed and she kept telling me, no, get undressed. And so when you have a Slavic woman help you unbutton your bra, it's a really surreal moment when you're in a foreign country. And all I kept telling her was, no, my mother said those have to stay on. Like my mother, like I went back to like high school dating, like no mom, this is stay on. We don't do that. No, we don't do that. You know, no. So, you know, in less than three minutes, I was completely naked under, under the sheet and not what I, and then I stepped into that water and I literally became a human popsicle. I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't, I couldn't focus. <laughs> I looked at the end and at the end of the, the little six foot stone bath, there was a statue of our lady and her face was pink and it was very confusing because the rest of her was white and blue, like her garments. And so I looked at them. I'm like, why is her face pink? Like, what is that? And the, they kept telling me La Rouge women would go and take the three steps and kiss her and they had lipstick. And so over the years, the head of the statue had become pink. So I'm like, oh, she I turned have to pink. kiss her. So I wow. do the hop of, of shame across the pond to get to Mary so I could kiss her. And then they're all looking at me going, what is your prayer? Because, of course, you know, you you offer up a prayer to the Lord when you're in the baths. And I couldn't think of one. And I was really freaking cold at this point and confused. And I didn't know what was going to happen. So I stood there <laughs> quietly for a second. I took a deep breath and I closed my eyes. And I was just like, And I heard in my head, in my heart, a young woman's voice. And she said one word. She said acceptance. And I was like, oh, that's good. I opened my eyes to look to see who had said that. And they were all had their eyes closed, bowed in prayer Hmm. in their perspective languages. Their mouths were moving, but nobody was talking. And I thought, I have now completely lost my mind because I am now hearing voices in Lords. And I was determined not to be that Catholic that showed up on EWTN talking about the voices she heard while on pilgrimage. I wasn't going to be that woman. 
And so, yeah, no, I'm not going to be that woman. Yeah. And so I, I closed my eyes again and then they pulled me back in the water and it was really cold and you get out and you're dripping wet. And one of the miracles of the water is that it dries. Like there are no towels there, only in the hotels. Oh yeah. That's wow. one of the miracles. So I'm like, wow, you I know how that. you put on your bathing suit when you're wet? Okay. That's what I was expecting to put on my clothes. And it wasn't like that. I was dry. I, by the Inching time it up my slowly. undergarments went mm-hmm. on, I was dry. Wow. And this was in May in the Pyrenees. So it's not like it was really warm. That's amazing. So I, I, you know, and so I kept that thought to myself, like, okay, I don't know what acceptance means. Thanks God for confusing me even more. Like what the heck we accept Courtney. We love Courtney. She's our daughter. I don't know what you're doing here. This is really annoying. And then I looked over and Courtney was all ready to be put in her wheelchair. And I thought, okay, God, here's your test. And so I stood her up and she had this huge smile on her face and she started to laugh. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, are we going to get our miracle? She's going to stand up. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she just slowly sank down. Like she wasn't going to stand. She was just like, nice try mama. Oh. You know? And she <laughs> was as she was before she went into the bath. <laughs> and I thought, okay. All right, Lord, you had your shot. Like, here we are. Let's, let's, you know, I really didn't want to be on the news to be that miracle, but I'm good with that. If that meant she was going to, you know, wake up and, and see me and, and, and have be healed. And so we walked out and it was time for us to go to mass as a group. We were there with Mm -hmm. a group of people. And so we went to mass and I, for the first time, um, when the priest put his hands over our Lord in the moment of epiclesis, you know, where they ring the bells. And Courtney laughed when they rang the bells. Mm -hmm. And I looked and she had this, she was looking up at the mountain because we were outside there at the altar underneath where Our Lady appeared. And she was looking directly at the statue of Our Lady that's in the mountain. And her face was just Mm -hmm. angelic. And I was like, what are you seeing? What do you see? Because you got to remember, Courtney had been baptized. Mm -hmm. She never had the occasion to sin. So what she saw and what I could see are completely different. She had a super Mm -hmm. highway to God. Nothing blocked her way. So I have no doubt in that moment, she was seeing Jesus. Mm -hmm. She knew. And she was seeing Our Lady and they were so pleased Mm -hmm. with her. And she knew where she was. After that, you know, she, we were at mass and, and she'd had that beautiful reaction right to the bells. And then I see Jerry who was standing in the back because the wheelchairs were always to the front. And he sees Courtney and it's like, he has this moment where, um, he was very emotional. He looked at her and then it it just, he bowed his head and he had tears in his eyes. And I was like, what's that about? You know? And so I, I, we wheel around and we're, we're starting to walk toward lunch because lunch is very important to Jerry. And, um, (laughs) you know, I looked at him and, and he stopped and, and he knelt down next to her wheelchair and he, he kissed her hand. And he said, if this is how it's going to be, then this is how it's going to be. It's going to be okay. Hmm. And then, you know, she just smiled at him and, and I'm very confused. I don't know what's going on. And he looks at me and, and I said, did you, you know, did you go in the water? And he said, yeah, I did. But, but did you, how did she do in the water? And, and so I told him what happened and, you know, I'm talking a mile a minute and, and as I typically do when I'm excited and something's happened and I'm like, listen, we're. We're just, you know, I, I don't know what it means. I, I don't know what acceptance means. And I realized because I had been walking, I looked over to my right where he was. And there was this lovely Frenchman with a little beret walking with his hands behind his back, shaking his head like he knew exactly what I was saying. And Jerry was not there. And I was just like, <laughs> talking to a Frenchman. exactly. I'm like, what is happening right now? And so I look at him and I smile and I stop, you know, walking and I turn around and Jerry's about 10 steps, 10 yards behind me. And stock still white as a sheet and mm-hmm. I backed the wheelchair up which was something of a feat because it was lunchtime and the bells had been rung and people were you know heading as they do all together to eat and and I looked at him and I said you're not having a heart attack here in Lord's this is not about you you need to get yourself together <laughs> I don't know I was such a I was such a beautiful wife I'm like we are not we are not here for you so you need to whatever this is you need to get over it Get like, it we together. Gotta get it together, buddy. We got to go to lunch. And he grabbed my arm. And Jerry's not a grabber. And he was like, Mary. I'm like, what? You know, what? And he, and, and he just looked at me. And he's like, when Jerry gets um, wants my attention, he'll go, woman. 
like you know Jesus said to Mary <laughs> yeah. and I used to get really insulted by that I was like excuse me you know but <laughs> then I kept reading that scripture and I'm like okay well he called her a woman so fine and it's and it's his way of saying like please stop like I need your full attention right now and so I'm like mm-hmm. what and he said you know I told him what I had heard in the water I had told him what Courtney had done and he said, what did you, what word did you hear in the water? And I said, Jerry, it was a young woman's voice. It was acceptance. I, you know, I think maybe, maybe it was our lady talking to us. Maybe she was saying, you know, we need to just accept the situation. And I don't know what it meant, but, and I really, I'm not crazy. Like it really did happen. And he goes, Mary, I went into the water and I was, and I wasn't sure he was going to go because this, he'd only been a Catholic a year and this was way out of sight of his comfort zone. Yeah. And he goes, I went in the water. I'm like, you did? And he goes, and I would like to know why you did not inform me of how that happens. And I'm like, um, <laughs> because I didn't know. No one told me either. Like, I didn't know. That seems to be the state secret of Lawrence. Like, nobody says anything. <laughs> so um, I just laughed. And, I, and he goes, and that water? I go, yes, cold, really cold. He goes, oh, my gracious. I said, so, you know, you went in the water. Like, what happened? And he just looked at me and he goes, Mary. He goes, I, I closed my eyes to kind of remember the prayer that we had practiced, you know, like what we wanted to ask for Courtney. And he goes, and I, and I heard this young woman say the word acceptance wow. and I'm like excuse me what did you say I, what <laughs> you did what and I said remember when we said we weren't going to be those Catholic people like you're freaking me out and we're not those Catholic people like what just happened and we I I, I kind of just shut it all down I just looked at him I'm like well that's ridiculous that that happened and we need to go to lunch there is soup and I literally just started walking <laughs> like I cannot handle what just happened I don't even know what it is I am out of here. And so he catches up with me and he says, we are not going to talk about this at lunch. We're just, we're just going to pray about it. We're just going to, we're going to see what, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with it, but we're just, we're not going to be those people. So we get to lunch, we walk into the room and Courtney is laughing and everybody sees us from our little group. And they were like, what happened in the water? And we're just, I'm looking at Jerry and I'm being all coy. I'm like, oh, nothing. It was, it was beautiful. And you know, I think Courtney might've had an experience and, and they're like, no, no, no. What happened to you two in the water? Wow. And I'm like, knew. nothing. We're good. And they just smiled. They're like, <laughs> you look different. You're holding mm. yourselves differently. What happened? And Jerry is squeezing my thigh under the table. Like, don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare. And I being me just was like, well, this happened. <laughs> and I said the whole thing. And they were just, they were in tears and they were clapping and I'm like, yeah, but she's not healed. And they're like, you don't understand because these people had been coming year after year after year on pilgrimage after pilgrimage. The priest looked at me and he's like, Mary, the healing begins here. Mm, wow. You know, yes, there are miraculous healings that happen here. He said, but for the majority of people, the healing begins here. It's either the beginning or the completion of what mm-hmm. God is calling you to. And so know now that something has transpired that the beginning of your healing, whatever healing is needed, will be, will be happening. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we thought this was it. This was our miracle. And then that afternoon, um, one of the other priests, Father Michael from the Charlotte Diocese, he, he had to go and pay the bishop's bar tab at one of the bars. I never, (laughs) never knew bishops had a bar tab and, um, I don't usually hang out with bishops. So he was like, Mary, you know, Mm -hmm. why don't you come with me? And we're, and there were these two other women, Jerry was ready to like read his Tom Clancy and just not be around any people and figure out what it all meant. And Courtney was sound asleep. And so I was, you know, I was all revved up and I'm like, okay, let's go have a cappuccino. Cause that's exactly what you needed when you're all revved up. And and you had them, you know, all the bars were open. So you, when I say a bar, you know, they served coffee and meals and drinks as well. So um, we go mm-hmm. into this little, uh, it was the Irish bar. They all had their own nationality. And so um, we sat down, we had a little drink and Father uh, Mike said, so I heard you guys had a pretty adventurous day in the water. And I'm like, Father Mike, I don't know what this means. I, I, I'm so amazed at my daughter. I just, you know, and I told him everything that happened and he just looked at me and he goes, how old is Courtney? And I said, she's seven. He goes, well, when does she receive her first communion? And I said, father, she's blind. She can't speak. There's no way to catechize her. 
Um, we never mm-hmm. anticipated that the, that would even be an option for her. Um, you know, I could, I would be able to assist her in receiving Holy Communion um, because, you know, she wouldn't necessarily open her mouth on her own. You had to tap on her bottom chin to tell her to open her mouth. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, but I, that's not going to be. And he's like, do you have an objection to her receiving communion? And I'm like, mm. no, I have no objection to her receiving communion. I just don't think it's possible. And he's like, let me go talk to Bishop Curlin about that. When I'll Bishop Curlin, wow. who passed away three years ago, was the bishop mm. from the Charlotte Diocese. And he was traveling with us. And so he went and he discussed it with the bishop. And he and the bishop came back that night and he said, the bishop said, Lord's is a place of miracles. And if we can, you know, I had, I live in the Arlington diocese in Virginia. He's like, I need to call the diocese Mm -hmm. and I need to get permission because you're not in my diocese. But if you're open to it, we would love, I think Courtney has shown us that she understands where she is, that she knows who God Mm -hmm. is and that she deserves the privilege of receiving communion. Wow. She probably understands mass better than any of Because she sees it. Right? It's a straight. She, she sees yeah. it all. We don't see what's happening. And yeah, she does. She sees yeah. all, all of heaven. And so mm-hmm. we had, uh, you know, we made the phone call. And what I didn't understand then, I knew the next day. When we made the phone call, our pastor was on vacation, but the parochial vicar was there. And he was a former Navy submariner and very grumpy and never smiling. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, he's going to say no. And the bishop asked permission and then they, they wanted to talk to me and I was nervous. I'm like, oh gosh, what is he going to say? I get on the phone. He's like, Mary, this is glorious, glorious. Oh, and I wow. thought, All right, hello, is this the same? Are you the same priest that I see every Sunday? Like scowling at people? <laughs> what exactly. happened to you? And he goes, listen, whenever a bishop calls me and says, hey, can you, do I have permission to do this? And it's within the you know canonical norm. He goes, then we say yes, just so you know. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I called Jonathan and I wanted to let him know. And um, he had had a horrible reaction the day before when she had come out of the water. We had called him that night and he wanted to know what her Mm. first words were. And when we told him that she was exactly as she was when she left the United States, he was so distraught and he screamed and he said, you know, God hates me. And he ran into his room and my mom picked up the phone and she's like, listen, you know, I was crying. I'm like, mom, I shouldn't have called. I should have just, and she's like, no, he's been asking all day. You know, when are they going to call? And it was good that you did. Your dad and I are here with him. It'll be okay. We need you to stay focused on where you are, on what Courtney needs. It's going to be okay. Just keep the faith. And, you know, my mom has always been that person for me. And so we, you know, we did. And then this beautiful thing happened and, and they wanted to give her communion. And, and then the church said yes. And so we called him back. And um, I said, Jonathan, you're never going to believe what they're going to do. And I said, you know, they're, she's going to have her first communion tomorrow, Jay. I'm sorry you're not here to see it, but she's going to have her first communion tomorrow. And Jonathan started laughing and he goes, God really does answer prayers. He really does, Mom. And I said, what, what, what are you talking about? And he goes, mom, I just wanted Courtney to do something that everybody else does. And what he knew was that next Sunday was mother's day and mother's day in our parish is the traditional day that we do our first communions. And had Courtney been a typical kid at the age of seven, she would have been receiving her first communion. And so what did Jonathan oh, say? She did it first, mom. She got it before anybody else would say Mary's sorrow. She did it first. <laughs> and that was a direct answer to his prayer. That's beautiful. You know, so when you say oh, kids' prayers wow. aren't answered, no, they just don't look like you think they should look like. And so the next day mm-hmm. we open our door to prepare to take her down to, you know, go to mass in front of 5,000 people. And there's a box at our door. And what had happened is a group of women had gone into the local dress shop and they bought her a beautiful dress from Paris. And she had her little white tights and her white high top Reebok sneakers. And they made her a crown of flowers like Bernadette would have worn. And she received her first communion. And then we came home and you would think after something like that, that everything would change. And what changed Mm -hmm. was our hearts 
but our life didn't change. Courtney continued to have seizures. It continued to be difficult. It continued to be challenging. We continued to walk toward healing. And it wasn't until four years later that we understood what acceptance meant. And it was November 1st, 2004. It was the day of all saints. And she was having brain surgery to place a VNS device, which is like a pacemaker for the brain. It was the last medical thing we could do to assist her in any way with her control of her seizures. And we didn't know if she would survive the surgery. It was a very delicate surgery with a a pediatric neurosurgeon. And um, there's two parts in the surgery that are delicate. And had she had a seizure on the table or something went wrong with her blood pressure, we could end up, she could end up a vegetable. And so we prayed Mm -hmm. the night before she had been anointed um, by our priest and been prayed over by our, our dear community, church community. And so we were as prepared as we could be for the possibility of losing our child in that moment. And so we said goodbye to her and we told her how much we loved her and, and that we would see her, you know, when she woke up and and it was going to be okay. And I remember holding her hand and she just kind of squeezed my hand and Courtney didn't do things with her hands very purposefully, very often. And so I just kissed her and we said goodbye and I had my cry and Jerry and I were waiting out in the waiting room and I was reading through some notes that I had taken from a, um, a retreat I had been on the weekend before. And in the, the retreat, Father Joe, our retreat master, had said that the church talks about three different types of healing. First, there's miraculous healing, which we all know what miraculous healing is. You have something, you pray about it, mm-hmm. and then you go to the doctor and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like it's miraculous. We don't have any medical explanation. And then you have healing after a time of suffering. So you think of cancer, you think of a long illness, that there's a time of suffering and then there's healing. And the third is an acceptance that healing will not happen this side of heaven. And I went back to that three times and I just kept thinking, what? And then I thought back in that moment, which was totally the Holy Spirit, whose voice did I hear? It was a young woman's voice. Well, Jerry and I had had two prayers for our daughter her whole life. One was, I was the first person to hold her when she was born and she took her first breaths. That when that last moment came, that the Lord would give me the great honor and and privilege to be the one to hold her so that she wouldn't be alone in that moment of going home to him. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, that wasn't happening at that moment, but we had prayed that. And that's, God did honor that. But the other prayer that we had had Mm -hmm. was that one time, just once, that we would hear our daughter's voice, her authentic voice, because we never heard the words, I love you, mom, I love you, dad. She never spoke in that way. When she spoke, she sounded like Chewbacca from Star Wars. You know, it was very, very (laughs) loud and very, very guttural. And and it just wasn't the voice God gave her. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we came to understand in that moment, what I came to understand was I heard my daughter's voice. That was Courtney. Courtney was telling us, I accept my role here. I accept my mission to love and to Mm. be loved. I have everything I need to do what God has sent me here to do. But I need you and daddy to get your ish together so that you can be my hands and feet (laughs) so that you can help me do my job because I can't do it without you. Mm. Wow! And, and now, now we are. are. <laughs> and, and I remember like mm. grabbing Jerry's hand and knocking his coffee and he was not happy with me because you never knock a Navy man's coffee. And you just, you know, I looked at him and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're such idiots. We're such idiots. And I remember um, talking to him about it and what I, what I thought. And then he goes, let's pray about it. And so we opened up scripture and we came to Psalm 107 and Psalm 107 is my father's favorite Psalm. And in there, it talks about the storm, seeing the storm coming in the ocean and then um, having the hand of God part that storm. Like God will always part your storms. And my dad had been um, sick with cancer for 10 years. Okay. And he was in the final year of his, um, of his life when Courtney went to Lourdes. And he passed away in 2001. And I remember this is 2004. And I just remember looking at that and remembering what my dad had said. He said, Mary, God will reveal what happened in Lord's and the time that he needs for you to be ready to hear it and to know it. And Jerry Mm -hmm. and I needed to be in a place where we were on the road to healing. 
but our family was on the road to healing Mm -hmm. and, and we needed to be in a place where our minds and our hearts were open to actually understanding what had happened and what our role in Courtney's journey was not just to love her and care for her, but to take her and the story of her life and the, the, the witness of her life and to carry it out into the world because that was the only way it was going to get there. And what it comes down to is every life matters. Every person has a mission. Mm -hmm. Every person has a, has a job to do that. If they don't do it, it goes undone. And Courtney's mission Mm -hmm. was simply to point out to us our relationship with the Lord, what it really and truly looks like, because you and I walk through the walk through our life and we are hiding all the things that are wrong with us. We're hiding it all. We're stuffing it down. We're, we're we're going to Mm -hmm. shopping. We're going to food. We're going to sex. We're going to all these places. So we don't have to look at the truth. And Courtney's truth was right there Mm -hmm. all the time. She was who she was. She could do what she could do and she couldn't do what Mm -hmm. she couldn't do. And she was happy and at peace and had everything she needed to do her mission. She was us inside out. Yeah. And the only thing she could do Just nothing hidden. was love and receive God's love. That's it. Yeah. That's all she could do. And to know that. That that is what our relationship is with God the Father. We don't have to do anything to prove our love to him. We don't have to earn it in any way. It is just freely and fully given as gift. And Courtney's life is testament to that. Mm -hmm. Her life is testament Mm -hmm. that you don't have to walk and you don't have to talk to preach the gospel. You don't have to have, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things to do it. You just have to be you. Mm -hmm. And do what God is asking you to do, to accept the crosses of your life and the purifications that he allows in your life so that you can go forth in truth and in love and speak the gospel with your life. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> and so that's what Courtney did. And on the day of her death yeah. and on the day of her burial, we knew, we knew we had done everything we could to give her the very best life we could. Mm-hmm. And that gives us great consolation now. And what's interesting mm-hmm. in the six years, it'll be six years this December since her death is where God has pushed Jerry and I. So now we're in a season <laughs> where what do we do? Our ministry is all about our brokenness. We speak to retreats and mm-hmm. couples about overcoming the addiction to pornography within marriage. We talk about, yeah, Which I mean, so it's, needed. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. We talked to special yeah. needs parents about living with expectant hope for what God is doing through the life of their child that the world doesn't recognize or see. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I realized recently, just literally last week during spiritual direction, that I had been living in fear, in this scarcity mindset of fear that, that because God took Courtney, he would take the other blessings in my life. And I didn't even know I was living in that mm-hmm. fear. And yet it was this moment of grief that I have for my daughter, this, the turning of the seasons, knowing that we're walking toward the anniversary of her death, that really got me quiet enough that I could step into yet another, another level of healing of my grief, Mm -hmm. you know, because grief doesn't Mm -hmm. define me. It's just part of who I am. It's part of my story. Courtney's Mm -hmm. life doesn't define me. It's part of my journey. It's part of my travel through this world. God defines me and he has asked me Mm. to take every bad and awful thing, every moment of shame, every moment of pain and allow him to redeem, restore, renew and rebuild it so that I can now walk in freedom and say to the world, yes, God does really exist. Yes, he does redeem. Yes, he does restore. Yes, you are worth it. No, don't listen to the whispers of the devil when he wants you in the darkness. He wants you in chaos and confusion because that's when he speaks the loudest. We have to, we have to really walk in truth. And the truth of who we are is we are children of God and we need to claim the inheritance of the resurrection, but you can't have the resurrection without the, the cross of good Friday. So you have to walk through the pain and you've got to walk through the heartache and you've got to walk through the grief and walk through the addiction 
and walk through the loneliness and walk through all the things knowing you're not walking Mm -hmm. alone, Mm -hmm. but when you get to the other side of it, you're walking in freedom. Amen. Amen. Girl, I want like, to jump shout, up and down. I'm going to shout amen, but our listeners will be able to hear you. Oh my Great gosh, oh. this is incredible. Oh. Mary, I have one question for you and we have a little bit of time left. Um, just briefly, we would love to have you back for a part two um, to speak into this more deeply. You mentioned that you and Jerry um, speak to couples and, and people about overcoming their addiction to pornography. And I know that many um, people have have fallen into that and it has really wrecked a lot of marriages. It has broken so many hearts. So um, if you could briefly speak hope into that and then oh, absolutely. can we have you back for, for sure. part two? And um, is that well, what your new the book, book is about? Be Bold and the Broken talks about, um, <laughs> talks about really my journey, my personal journey to become the woman God intended me to be. So we do, we, we kind of skirt along it, okay. but no, the good news is that uh-huh. Jerry and I are actually writing okay. a, a book specifically on that. So it's a, he said, <sighs> oh, book. So if our marriage okay, survives good. that, then, you know, God yet again, <sighs> wow. and glory will be revealed. <laughs> but Amazing. as far as the couples that are dealing with this, yes. first of all, <clears throat> it is the most pervasive addiction in marriage today. Okay. Because you have these young men and now mm-hmm. young women, What I came to understand through my own journey of healing Mm -hmm. is that I had an addiction to pornography that was different than Jerry's. I started reading romance novels, very illicit ones, when I was in the seventh and eighth grade. So at a very young age, I was looking for the man Mm -hmm. on the white horse to come and rescue me. And my first experience with anything Mm -hmm. sexual of nature, like reading, was through those books. And so... You know, then you had the Fifty Shades of Grey thing that happened and and you saw what that exposed. So Mm -hmm, we not only have young men that are entering marriage with addictions to pornography, but we have young women that are entering to marriage with the same. It looks different. For us, it's in our imagination. Mm -hmm. For them, it's a more physical um, thing as well. So, you know, it can Mm -hmm. be both. And so what you have to do is you have to have hard conversations. So if you're a young couple that's in the pre-engagement section of your life, right, you're not engaged yet, but you're pre-engaged, have the hard conversation, have the hard conversation, be vulnerable enough with your partner to say to them, is there sexual sin in your past? Is it in your present? Is it in mine? You know, what do we need to do? Do we need to see counsel? Do we, what do we need to do? Okay. That's the first thing for those that are in pre-engagement. For those that are engagement, it would be the same conversation. And my my advice would be to halt the wedding until those things are dealt with. Because you cannot step to the altar of God mm. freely, fully, totally, and completely free unless those areas of your life have been addressed. And now to the hardest part for the woman mm-hmm. and for the man that is walking in marriage right now, suffering from this addiction, or their spouse is suffering from this addiction. And the woundedness that they're experiencing Mm -hmm. is just horrific and horrible and lonely and, and they're completely dejected and they don't know what to do. The first thing I always say is you go to prayer, Mm -hmm. you go to our Lord first and you ask him to reveal to you the steps to take because every personality is different. Every marriage is different. Some people are more volatile than others. Some would have a very negative reaction to being confronted some would have a positive reaction. So it just depends on your marriage and the personality of your spouse um, or the one that has this addiction. So take it to prayer. And then the third thing, is, the second thing is, is bring it to the light, right? So you have that conversation. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm worried. I see this in our marriage. I see this in our intimate life. Talk to me. Tell me what's happening. You know, that's the hard part. At that point, mm-hmm. a lot of people, there's denial that happens there's, or maybe there's guilt or whatever. There's so many different reactions, but what happens after that is you get help and there's three ways to get help. First, there has to be spiritual help. You've got to get a spiritual director. You've got to go talk to a priest. You have to go and receive the sacrament of of confession, restoration, and you're going to have to do that again and again and again and again. So there's a spiritual element of it. Mm -hmm. Secondly, there needs to be scientific counseling, right? There needs to be counseling of you and your spouse, either separately or together or both by a counselor that is accredited in sexual dysfunction and sexual addiction. 
There's a beautiful uh, ministry called mm-hmm. Integrity Restored that is run by Jim O'Day, and they do incredible work in this field. And they have resources both for the wife that is dealing with the woundedness of, of their husband having pornography. They deal with couples that have had issues with pornography and also with the men and their section. So they deal with all three and there are support groups because that brings you to the third part. The third part is to have somebody to accompany you. If we didn't have Christine and Marks, I don't know where we would Mm be. I really, truly don't. They are a true gift from the Mm -hmm. Lord. And, you know, we, they not only accompanied us on this journey, but they had their own issues and challenges. And so we were able to accompany them as well. It's not just a one-way street. It goes both ways. And so those are the three things Mm -hmm. that lead to healing of pornography in marriage. You have to have the guidance of the Lord. You have to have, um, you know, the counseling there. You have to have support from um, a support group or, or someone to accompany you. Because the shame that is attached to this particular sin, to this, it, it's invasive mm-hmm. and it's, it's horrific. And you get these holy Hannahs that mm-hmm. stand there and say, oh, that would never happen to me. And yet what they don't know is their husband's been deep in it for 25 years. Mm. And they just don't know. You know, and they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, judgment needs to be reserved from God and God alone, not us. That's not our job. Mm -hmm. Our job is to love Mm -hmm. one another and to see the dignity and the humanity of each other and to be able to accompany one another in love. It's not for somebody that's a complete stranger that has no idea what's going on, but here's there's an addiction. And in their idea of fraternal correction, jumps into a situation they don't belong in. Because they're not willing to accompany that person. If you're willing to accompany that person through the hard Mm -hmm. and difficult Mm -hmm. conversations, but also through the hard and difficult healing, then you speak. But not unless you're willing to go all the way. So that is what is needed if they're in that. And, (sighs) And I always say, Jerry and I always say together, you know, we are always open to, if you want to email us, you have a question, whatever. We share what we know. And we can direct you to the right resources. We ourselves are not counselors. Mm-hmm. We are still, we are, will always be addicts. And we have to have self-discipline and we have to have, mm-hmm. we had to learn how to make love to each other all over again. We had to learn how to be intimate with each other, mm-hmm. how to flirt with one another. We had to relearn all of that so that the dignity of our marriage bed was restored, that the sanctity of that place was redeemed by God. We now pray before we make love. We pray to St. Michael to protect our bed. We pray to St. Mary Magdalene to Mm. keep us focused on one another and our love for one another. And we actually ask for our daughter's intercession every single time because she was the one who pointed us back to God. She brought us back. Wow. Yeah. She brought you back. And so you don't give up and you don't quit. Now, do marriages end in divorce when they're dealing with these addictions? Yes, yeah. they do. And that is awful. And it's actually something mm-hmm. that you can receive an annulment for in the Catholic Church because that individual was in an addiction and they were not free and full uh, to marry you. They, they didn't make the vow with a free heart. Mm-hmm. Um, are those hard conversations to have? Are those difficult mm-hmm. things and painful things to walk through? Absolutely. Should you judge someone else because that is happening in their life? No, you should get on your knees and you should intercede for them. That's your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, I just, I'm floored by this conversation today. You have such wisdom and experience and joy and love and what you've walked through and what you've allowed the Lord to do in your heart there's so much that we can learn from you. And I hope that um, if you guys enjoyed her story, you will get her book. Um, Brie ba- <laughs> I said it wrong. Be brave and the scared. Um, it's fantastic. I read it. I think the You're day it came out, good. <laughs> like, <laughs> PR. Thank you. I was ready. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I was I was totally ready to read it right away, and then it's like Kendra, you have to read this book. Yeah, um, I can't wait for the second and the third. They're going to be fantastic. I know they are. So, and you can find Mary on Instagram. She's rather hysterical, as Kendra said yes. earlier. And we're just so thankful. We're so thankful that you have been such a great cheerleader for us and our little ministry, and that you were willing to come and share your heart so beautifully today. I know there are women who are bawling and shouting and cheering and clapping along with their mm-hmm. I, their radio. And, you know, this is just I'm what we need so to I'm so humbled and honored to yeah, be definitely. here with you. And I love what you're doing. And I love that you're speaking into the giftings and the callings that God has placed on your hearts to speak to the women that you live with, like the women there in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. So as you learn and as you grow and as your ministry mm-hmm. grows, just know that um, he has a plan that's greater than you can ever imagine. And whatever you think is going to happen, he's going to mm-hmm. blow it right out of the water. It's going to be awesome. Whew. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for pouring into us. That's amazing. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Um, so we always close out with asking um, one question. What is the Lord doing in your heart right now? We heard your story, um, but well, right now, I, how like is I he moving briefly, and shaking? I had realized literally two days ago when I was sitting in spiritual direction that I was living in, in fear of the Lord removing the blessings that he has bestowed upon my life because he, he took the greatest blessing, which was my mm-hmm. daughter. But in that moment of realization, when I was with um, my spiritual director to know that you know, fear comes in all shapes and sizes. And I thought I had overcome all the fear that needed Mm -hmm. to be overcome for different reasons with, you know, my marriage and my motherhood and all of that. But, you know, God is not done with me yet. And he is moving in a way right now that is very specific Mm -hmm. about my dreams, about uh, Mm -hmm. my desires that he has placed upon my heart. I was looking up the word desire. It comes from the root of the sire. Like these desires are from God. They're of my sire and my sire is my Lord. He created me and him at his image and likeness. Wow. And so Beautiful. therefore, when I have a desire or a passion that comes up in my, I take it to prayer and I have him refine it. And so that's what he's doing. He is refining me. Mm-hmm. He is oh, refining my marriage. He uh, is blessing my life so incredibly abundantly. Um, but, you know, he's asking me to step into a deeper trust with him. So that's where he's moving right now. He's, mm-hmm. um, he's saying, you know, trust me a little more. I don't know. I know there'll be suffering. I know that there'll be hardship because that's life. You know, it always, the good always goes with the bad. The sorrowful always goes with the joyful. So I know that, but I'm learning not to anticipate it. I'm learning to just remain mm-hmm. in the present moment. Like my daughter taught me and, and to stay here and to be in the joy and to live in expectant hope for what will come, whether it's good, whether it's hard, it doesn't matter because in the end, God wins. And so that's where he's moving me. Amen. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Mary. You are a gift and a light. And I look forward to. Thank you. I look forward to. (laughs) There you go. Maybe when her next book comes out. Yeah. Super fun. Oh, you are yeah. so wonderful. It is such a, we are it, so I, very Like I thankful. said, it's always yeah. a privilege to talk with you guys. I wish I was there in person. That would be so much better. Awesome. I know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> there me we too. go. Another book tour. Here we go. Yeah. Next put, time. Put us on your schedule. There you go. I look forward up. to yeah. it. Yeah. Austin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Bye. Bye.